whatever reason why you took this route instead of that route on this day instead of that day or maybe the wind was blowing this day and it knocked down this this tree or this branch out of thousands of options for some reason one of them stands out to you among a hundred and then you can bring them into a studio space and then it becomes an object of value Hello and welcome to AI Arts In, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I'm with Kenny Jensen. Kenny, hello. How are you? Hello. Doing good. It's and good to be here. Thank you. And you are one of the Creative Pinellas emerging artists. Yeah. So what is your field? My field kind of fluctuates. Uh, it has fluctuated throughout my career. But I'd say right now it would be kind of a contemporary sculptor uh, or conceptual artist, because the, often the medium is dictated by the idea or the concept. Or sometimes the mediums are untraditional. So I'm interested in exploring something, but the medium is kind of secondary to it. So if there's things I find, for instance, in nature or things that are left behind, say, in a, an old abandoned building, I'm interested in those things themselves. And so I'll find a way to incorporate them. Mm-hmm into the art making. The sculpture you did for the Emerging Artist Show, and I think it's pretty important to say the Emerging Artist Show was about a month after Hurricane Irma came. Yeah, I. in some ways the hurricane actually changed my direction. We did dodge the bullet as they say, but it was still a pretty traumatic experience, just the unknowing of it. Yeah, and when I, when I came back from leaving town for the hurricane, kind of looked at the house and there we have a large eucalyptus tree which is amazing we love it it's pretty unique in this area just a giant eucalyptus tree you see them all over like northern california you don't see a whole lot here and it just kind of looms over our house and protects it from the the sun and and we got back and a lot of the branches had snapped and broken off and i had some other ideas that i was pursuing for the for the creative pinellas show and at that point, I was like, oh, I think I know what I'm, I need to do now. So the work, the work itself looks like a hurricane in some ways. So there's this form that looks like a hurricane, but there is also, there's questions about it, about the actual appearance of it. And that was pretty intentional. When, once it was installed and viewed on the wall, it was about eight by eight feet square. And it, it was composed of all branches that fell on my house, around the house, from the eucalyptus tree. And I cut up interesting-looking branches at various sizes, the heaviest, the largest ones in the center, kind of branching out to the arms, quote-unquote, arms of the hurricane. And so I think the longest ones probably came out from the wall, like maybe two and a half feet from the wall wow. and into the gallery, maybe three feet into the gallery. So, so it looked very different if you're standing far back and kind of looking at it front face on. And then if you went to the side, then it would look like a bunch of branches just like shot through the wall or grew through the wall. The piece was called The Divine Dance. So I, I'm also very interested in it standing in for a, the image of a galaxy. That fits in with some of my interests in the past year and some of my explorations is how there are things in our everyday experience and like various kind of small insignificant things. If you look at them in a particular perspective, they start to kind of have a relationship that's similar to forms that are like vast, like so much larger than our solar system. So there's this kind of similarity across vast variance and scale that interests me because, you know, we tend to think of scale tends to be a big value judgment for us like mm-hmm. something's large we tend to ascribe value but there's so many things that, like 
around us in our immediate experience that kind of get ignored because they, for whatever reason, that's just one of the constructs that our, our culture likes to focus on is our smallness and compared to the vastness of the universe. There was another piece that was in direct relationship with this one. It was actually kind of an inversion of it. So part of the context of this piece was the fact that it was at the Gulf Coast Museum of Art space, which has giant ceilings. I mean, I mean, what are they, like 20 feet or something? I mean, kind of wraps around and lets natural light in. So if you look up, it's actually the wall is colored the color of the sky. Yeah. And so it actually looks like you're like looking up into the sky in the gallery. And so that really excited me about, I was like, well, I got to take advantage of this. I got to use this space. And so there was a meeting in the gallery initially with all the, the visual artists and come look at the space and pick where you want to show your work. And, and I got stuck in traffic. <laughs> so I got there last and they're all like, oh, hey, Kenny, we figured you could do something with the wall with the big window on it. In, in all the other work, they work in more traditional mediums sure, where sure. you need a wall. And so I, I saw it as an opportunity to like, do something very site specific. So the fact that I was creating work in this space dictated what the work would even be. And that's that's really exciting for me because there's like, there's such like a context that then that challenges me, but then everyone that comes to see the work is very much a part of that experience too because it's very much wrapped up into being at that place at that time with right. these people. Right. And that's like an important feature to me. Like like everyone's involved. Outside of that space, it would never function that way again. So that that's that's one of the things that really excites me about site-specific work, but it's also very challenging. <laughs> right. You were there driving nails into the walls and then attaching the branches one at a time. Yeah. So for the for the large installation, my my father actually helped me a lot, and that yeah. that was really important. And so there was two hundred and eighty sticks that we had to install individually and a lot of them had more than one point like more than one nail and so we figured out there's about 450 holes that had to all be individually kind of drilled and so yeah it was it was a fun process but it was very involved it was an incredible piece i think people fell in love with it and, and i i think in a way it made the show it was a great show and all of the work there was phenomenal the fact that it was up high taking advantage of the height of the room and those high ceilings and kind of right in the middle mm-hmm. of the space. It, I think it, it gave a, a, a sense that you might have when you were in a cathedral. And then that small piece you have, I think it would be fun for people to know that you lit it from behind. And Well, yeah, that's, that, that was kind of the number one feature for me is like, this is a window. Like, why not allow it to be a window? So I'll work with what it actually is. I have another series of work where I create these little dioramas. You look through a lens, often there are cubes that I construct that you mount on a wall. So, but in this case, I actually put up a panel so you wouldn't know it's a window. I want it to function as if you were just looking into a hole in the wall. What it appears to be is, an, is a nebula surrounded by vast space. So I, I, I made a, a half sphere paper mache from a yoga, my wife's yoga ball. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I poked it with thousands of holes individually just until it just you know gave me the experience of looking at space so yeah and then it was right there by the window and so i just had a bunch of stuff sitting around my yard and my house and like this big plexi box i stuck that in there and this was all pretty last minute it was all kind of like okay well i gotta make this work you know so and i just kind of brought all the pieces to the gallery and so so like it was kind of fun because i would just add something else and like for this 
mirrors and lights and it just it just flooded this whole it's an odd shaped window as it is it's a triangle it goes out from the wall very interesting architectural choice and so i just threw all the stuff in there around the half circle and then of course the natural sunlight was pouring in and then started to get dark and so i had a bunch of spotlights sitting outside the window and that has the added advantage of people are walking by you know from their car to the museum like, what's that over there? That yeah. light over there. Yeah. And so then once they're inside, they're looking into deep space, and maybe there's just, oh, that's just a little, that's just like a, a shop light or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so then they go peek in there, and it's just like, you know, like some random boxes lifting up random lights that could have been, I could have just like raided a thrift store and just threw it all in there. Only it's the universe when you look it's, inside, right? <laughs> yeah, you're looking, in, you're looking, uh, yeah, into the, uh, basically behind the veil of the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then... And it's you, ordinary. And you go into that kind of really mm-hmm. wonderful thing where art is slippery. Yeah, I hope so. Wonderful Like our lives, and... right? It's complicated, it, and it's, it's a multiplicity. It's like a both and, you know. It's, we're trained as when we're younger it's like it's it's either this or this because we want to have kind of control of our experience we got to like nail things down like it's this or it's this and the older i get i'm like no it's this and that like it's both of those that makes each one of them richer because of it because of that connection not a lot of straight lines right things that are knobby Mm -hmm. or a little twisted or you know wiggly yeah and what does that how does that resonate to you? I would say that it is a contradiction because you do something with color that seems very high-tech to me. Mm. You use sort of neon-looking colors. One of the colors I absolutely recognize as the color pink from Silly String. Yeah. So there's something going on very interesting using eucalyptus branches or shapes that appear to be shapes from nature mm-hmm. with colors that the only place you would ever see them is if they're made in a factory or perhaps a butterfly garden ah <laughs> uh, fair enough fair enough but yeah no it's the unnaturalness of the color is is very intentional and very exciting for me like i want there to be attention there but also a satisfaction i want it to be beautiful but i also want it to be confusing and and not totally like line up toward expectation the color is very much inspired by there's different techniques that we use to to picture things that we can't see in our normal visual range and that often is called like a false color i mean it's it's a fairly contemporary move i mean so my approach is that i'd say it's adjacent to some like very popular trends where i'm acknowledging like i'm acknowledging the use of these of these of the color and and maybe more popish work but it's a little bit more subversive. So with the with the the piece at the Creative Pinellas exhibition, the Divine Dance, the color on that was very intentional. The coloring on that was basically just trying to reproduce the infrared of like a weather satellite. Mm. So the center is very dark. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's the eye of the form, which the way the sculpture works, it could be the eye of the hurricane or it could be the black hole in the middle of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And then going out from that in intensity, you know, like the weather satellite, like the the worst weather is is bright magenta, and then it goes to red, and then it kind of like fades out to you know like a yellow, green, and then like a light blue, and then a dark blue, and that's that that's kind of an understood language now because we're so used to re, you know looking at the weather satellites and watching the news and 
But it's not natural looking. N- nor is it natural to be able to predict where a hurricane goes. So our perspectives, our understandings of things have shifted via the mediation of technology. And so it helps us understand things a lot. And it, it helps improve like the quality of our lives, but it also makes things much more complex and often more confusing. Like our our interactions with nature are often so heavily mediated through technology that it's like a third thing happening. You know, it's like, here we are as like humans, here's the natural environment. And like through technologies, the, the, co- the combination of that becomes something almost different from either one of those. That's something I, I'm exploring. My work is very much like interested in the lens that we see the world through. I, th- I think a lot of uh, more traditional artwork would be looking at the, the product, you know. So, but I'm, I'm like, pull it back, pull it back and like what makes us see the things that we see and what affects those things, whether it's actual technology that affects how we visualize things or whether it's, you know, more of a metaphor describing like how we see the world based on our relative experience of where we were born and how we were brought up and and what we had access to education and what community we live in it all affects those things for me there's no creation in a vacuum there's Mm -hmm. no neutral perspective on anything and so a lot of my art is very much about pointing to that lens and and kind of like deconstructing like well we come to all these conclusions and we kind of argue about these conclusions about the world but each one of us has this maybe unrecognized lens that we're seeing to come to those conclusions. So why don't maybe a more constructive thing to do would be to look at the lens and analyze like, why do we even think the way we do? Let's just all examine our own lenses and maybe try to rebuild a better lens together. So what would that better lens look like? Oh man, it would look like a lot of bright colors <laughs> sitting right next so to each other for asking a visual in, artist. in relationship <laughs> and that the tension being allowed to be there and the confusion of mm-hmm. being allowed to, to be there. So it not, looks like your artwork. I mean, that would be cool. So another aesthetic choice that's kind of represented throughout most of the work that I do is, for lack of a better term, I like to call it abstract photorealism. So I'm actually doing as exact as possible. There's always interpretation involved whenever you're reproducing anything. But as much as possible, I try to do an exact reproduction of forms that I find. Like I'll produce a painting, for instance, and it'll look like a totally like abstract expressionist, you know, exploration, but it's actually a photorealistic reproduction of an organic form that I captured in nature, but mm-hmm. the actual organic form looks like an abstract mm-hmm. painting. Right now I'm working on a series of works featuring lichen on trees. So in in the forest, my wife and I have a family land about 100 miles north, but most of the trees in the forest, not only does every tree have a forest of lichen on it, but every branch on every tree mm. is covered mm. in an absolute forest of unpredictable, just incomprehensibly beautiful compositions of like these weird forms and shapes and color. I'm, I'm using right. microscopes to actually like go inch by inch along these these branches. They look like kind of like interestingly composed abstract designs, mm-hmm. but they're photorealistic. Yeah. I'm a rather tedious fellow, I'd, I'd have to say. I'm, yeah, I'm a rather exact even though I work in very organic 
chaotic forms, I'm a bit obsessive about, about allowing the forms to be what they are without me like mediating the thing itself. Of course, I'm translating it. It's going through, it's, you know, like I'm an interpreter, I'm a translator of the form to put it in a context that people can see it differently and meditate on it and reflect on it. And then from that experience, be able to like adjust how they see the world around them. And the most beautiful thing would be if I, if I was able to in some way enhance someone's experience of noticing the world around them, then they could come back and share what they've kind of gained or observed and then my experience can grow from that so it's like this relationship that's a lot of what motivates me because I'm, I'm so interested in the world around me mm-hmm. to be able to share it the communication kind of solidifies my understanding different things here and there that you kind of happen upon and whatever reason why you took this route instead of that route on this day instead of that day or maybe the wind was blowing this day and it knocked down this this tree or this branch out of thousands of options. For some reason, one of them stands out to you among a hundred. And then you can bring them into a studio space, mm-hmm. and then it becomes an object of value. You know, say it's like the dead branch or whatever, and it's just, it's just garbage. But if you bring it out of that context and into, say, the studio space, and you clean it up, and then it becomes its own thing. And then, then you can take it and put it into a context of a gallery, and then it becomes sculpture. And all of those stages are valuable and important, but it's the kind of each, in each stage, there's intention that follows reflection. Like there's a growing awareness and a growing understanding that comes through that process to where then someone can see that in a gallery. And if it's communicated well enough, they can take that knowledge and take that experience of seeing something beautiful, perhaps for the first time that they would have never even noticed. And if they did, it would be trash. And then they can take that back into their own lived experience and see things a little differently. It's a conversation that happens both with me and the world around me, but then hopefully with the viewer in the artwork and then the viewer with their experience in the world. I was a designer and designers like things to be just so, right? And there's so much control involved because you have the ability with the with the computer to adjust this and this. And, and so you're in control of everything. My problem is I have such a, an awareness of what's happening. And when it comes to design, like I was constantly fighting against myself because everything had to be perfect. And so then when I was, for instance, creating a painting or making artwork, everything had to be perfect because there's this expectation of perfection. Like I won't even show anyone anything if it's not exactly what it... But then as I got older and just was able to loosen up a little bit, what does perfection have to do with anything? <laughs> and, and how do I know what it needs to be until I actually go through the experience of doing it? And so I kind of naturally want, found beauty in those these things that I would find in the world around me. And my wife, she also like brought a lot of that out. You know, we would spend a lot of time in the woods together and collect like seed pods and just beautiful little things around us. Like dead weeds can be extremely beautiful if you, you know, see them in the right way. And so I was decorating my house with all these driftwood pieces that I found. And, and I, I just really felt this desire to get back into my, my art practice and to create. And I need to do this. And this is what my calling is. And she's just like, well, you have a lot of fun doing all this. Why don't you just do that? It's like, yeah, but I need to have this perfect painting and da-da-da-da-da. It's just like, no, just create. Right. Just explore. Right. And so I just started this like really like intense year and a half period where... All day, every day, I, I just my, developed a studio practice of just finding things that interest me 
and but just follow it and mm-hmm. it would lead me to to you know what the artwork was and that's that all of that work turned into the show that i had in 2015 at the uh, studio at 620. the show was called intimate immensities with the subtitle of curiosity cabinets of the floating woods so the floating woods is the name that my wife and i call the, the property it's a it's a six acre lot surrounded by swamp in very rural nature coast florida and there's a cabin my grandfather built out of cypress trees all by himself in, the, in a large barn that he used to build a giant yacht by himself that took him about 18 years to build. And I, so I grew up watching him build this boat by himself from scratch. And uh, now that's like my studio space. And so essentially the, the show is, the whole thing was designed to be like one giant curiosity cabinet in the spirit of like the 16th, 17th century explorers would come back with these mysterious previously unknown specimen and artifacts all these drawers and shelves and pins and some of these would be elaborate they would fill entire rooms like every inch the ceiling like you know tons of bookshelves with little pull-out shelves and mm. all these little teeth or whatever else and wow. yeah and so it was kind of in the spirit of that but from kind of a postmodern kind of conceptual art standpoint, because I also included a lot of imagery from childhood photos, found photos. And so I kind of combined all these different, about nine different bodies of work. My recent work has come out of that show, just taking those concepts that were just kind of stream of conscious, just kind of stumbled upon, kind of taking some of those directions and making them much more intentional. Taking the kind of set of tools that I developed through that initial exploration, taking that and kind of circling back to some of the some of the concepts that I had previously, and now I have a, a new path to walk down. Kenny Jensen, thank you very much. I've enjoyed this conversation a whole lot. Yes, I learned a lot, and I guess in a way, everything you said surprised me and also didn't surprise me because I think that's what we're talking about here today is is really what your work is talking about and and playing with and exploring and it's just real exciting cool well it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you thank you i'm barbara st Clair, and you've been listening to arts in the creative pinellas podcast sponsored in part by the pinellas county board of county commissioners visit st petersburg clearwater and the state of florida department of cultural affairs Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.